opportunity tonight. And uh, I want to say I appreciate my wife. And uh, she's the uh, quiet one. Uh, if you understand what I mean, she's quiet in public, but I definitely hear about it all at the house. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to ask her to testify. If I can borrow that guitar, brother. service we were there and I was down at the altar praying and the Lord gave me the words to this. It's just a simple song about lifting up the name of Jesus. And you know, we don't lift up the name of Jesus enough no, as followers of Jesus. That's right. But yet Jesus himself said and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Sister, that's what we have to do. We have to lift up the name of Jesus. We have to let the world know that there is hope, not in me, but in Jesus Christ and what he does and what he did at the cross for you and I. But he gave his life and they took and they, yes, they took and put those stripes on him. They hung him on that cross. They pierced him in the side. They took him down and buried him. But can I tell you, that's not where he ended. Three days later, he rose again. And today, he slipped at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I. It doesn't matter what happens in this world. It's the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord.
to be praised. It doesn't matter what may come your way. I'm telling you right now, whether when the enemy comes in to surround you, and we will just look up and see God's got his angels all around us, and he is ready to give us victory, and we'll just praise him and trust him for what he has to give him praise preach, teach, <laughs> preach, whatever I do, I like to walk. So don't fall out with me. It's oh, just no. who I am. Okay. And, uh, I, I do tell people a little bit about me, especially the first time I've been to a church and I, I think they need to know who I am. Sure. It helps them understand where I'm coming from sometimes. And sometimes I just come out of left field and it doesn't matter. You'll never know where I'm coming from. Uh, you just have to try to catch what I'm throwing at you and uh, let's see what the Lord has. But uh, 39 years ago, March, uh, the Lord saved me in my barracks, Orlando, Florida, while I was attending nuclear power school. Okay. And uh, he came down, saved my soul. And wasn't saved in church. I'd been in holiness churches growing up for a few years, and my parents left the holiness churches and started going through the different churches they went to until uh, where they are today. Um, but when I got saved, I said, Lord, I'm not going to believe anything anybody says until you show it to me in your word. Real simple. That's the only commitment I made to God, that I would serve him, and I would serve him as he showed me in his word. And so when I started out serving God, I was in a worldly church. And uh, I will say that. And uh, during the course of the next three years, the Lord brought me into holiness. It was kind of interesting because I was driving. For a while, I was driving from Norfolk, Virginia to Richmond, Virginia, to go to a church of God. Uh, pastor was good old fashioned pastor, good man, um, went on to be with the Lord. And then I remembered one of the holiness churches we were in in Florida. And so I would drive occasionally to Florida to go to a holiness church. Didn't know of any others. I'd heard of Brother Butler, but I didn't know where he was in Savannah, and I wasn't about to try to figure it out when I knew where that one was. And so I was driving back and forth down there, and in that course, of, uh, I went down for a camp meeting, and when I was down there for the camp meeting, I met my wife, and needless to say, it didn't matter about Savannah anymore. I was going back and forth. <laughs> but the next year, I drove 752 miles one way to see my wife every opportunity I had. During that, Brother Wendell Pittman was preaching a revival at the oh, church yes. down there. Yes. He told me about a church in Norfolk because I'd asked him, I said, Brother, you know, we're looking to get married. And uh, I said, I don't know where to go to church in Norfolk. Do you have any idea of anything? And he said, well, I think there's a man there by the name of Bobby Roadcap. 
He said, and he told me a little bit about where the he thought the church was. And so I found the church thinking they had a Wednesday night church service because the ship was getting underway the next day. And they have a Thursday night service. Yeah. So I got to meet the pastor, but then I went to sea for a month. That was in January. And then over the next few months, uh, I attended the church and I told Brother Bobby, I said, Brother Bobby, I said, if I can, I'll be here. But if I'm not here, I'm either on duty or I'm down in Florida yeah. seeing my fiance. Yeah. I said, and we'll be moving up here in July. And so we got married in, in June and the Lord helped us. And uh, we ended up there in Norfolk for nine years, then moved to Roanoke working with Brother Mike Schaefer there as he pioneered a church. And we worked with him for about 12 years. During that uh, latter part of that time, we worked with Faith Missions, Brother Gene Thompson over in the Ukraine. If you knew him, then uh, he's going on to be with the Lord. Worked with Brother Thomas McCoy some as well. And then uh, since then, we've helped other, we've worked with other missionaries as the Lord opens doors and opportunities. And then we uh, worked a church, took a church in Powhatan, Virginia, pastored there for 10 years before moving to Savannah, Georgia. And so now we live here in Savannah, in the Savannah area and uh, working and doing whatever the Lord we find we can put our hands to for the Lord. And that's what uh, I want to do. I want to work for the Lord. Right. I, I want to yeah. go about the master's business. Yes. Uh, that's right. Too many times we're concerned about our business. Right. We say we're about the master's business, but we're really concerned about ourselves. And one of the scriptures when I first got saved and has been a scripture I go back to many, many times. And I, can't, I won't say it's my favorite scripture, but it is definitely one of my top 10. Okay, I can put it there. But it's one of my top 10s. It's probably one of the top 10s I quote to people. It's one of the top 10s I, I'll, I'll go to. And uh, I, I will say this, we were in Ray City this morning and uh, I never preached. I mean, I had my notes, I never preached them. Um, yeah. The Lord just took the service a different way. And uh, I thought about preaching those tonight. And I'm like, no, I'm just gonna follow the leading of the Lord and, right. and go that direction. So my wife is back there nervous because she knows how I am when I don't have notes. But, uh, <laughs> Hey, she, she stood beside me, helped me for 10 years wow. as I pastored. Yeah. She knows what happens when I take and put the notes aside and go. It's, uh, but, uh, but still, this, the, the verse that I was going to is found over in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. That has been a verse that I have gone to time and time again. I wish I could say that in my 39 years of serving God, I have always sought the kingdom of God first. But unfortunately, I'm a man. I can get carried away with the things of life just like everybody else can. Please understand, I'm not... I'm not justifying what happens. I'm just saying life happens. And you get so focused on the things of life 
that it distracts you from seeking the kingdom of God. Right. That's right. Hey, think about your regular life, your day to day. How many times have you gotten up with the intent of getting something accomplished and I'm going to do this? Right. And, and or you go to work and you get to work and, and you say, Well, I've got to get this done. And about an hour into the day, you get a phone call. And it distracts you. And you get another phone call another hour later. And another phone call another 45 minutes later. And then 15 minutes later, this one calls. And at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, you haven't gotten anything done. You, you don't understand what I'm talking about. You're distracted. And, and I, I pick on the man because it happens at work. And I know it happens with the sisters at home or in what they do. It happens to every one of us. That's right. We get distracted. But yet Jesus' words to us were, Seek ye first above everything else. We came in tonight, and I I looked back in the back, and I was commenting with Brother Hicks. I said, I saw this lesson that he had written, The Surrendered Life. And I thought about how true it is about having a surrendered life. But that's what Jesus was talking about. He said, I want you to seek me. I want you to put me first. And and, and that I want to inhabit every part of your life. And that if I am the primary focus, then the rest of things in life, I'll take care of. That's what he said. And I've thought about that scripture many times. And here in the last few weeks, and this is what I'm going to preach tonight, is... Jesus, in in Matthew chapter 13, it starts with the parable of the sower. Jesus goes on and after giving the parable of the sower, He goes on and He kind of explains that parable to the disciples. He tells the parable of the weeds. He tells the parables of the mustard seed. He tells the parable of the yeast. But he goes back in because the disciples ask him, Lord, really, what were you talking about with this parable? So he sends the people away. And he starts to explain the parable of the sower to them, to the disciples. I want you to notice who he's talking to. He's talking to the disciples. And then we come to verse 44. In here, verse 44 through 46, are three very special verses talking about the kingdom of heaven. But I want to take our focus tonight, and I can preach on on both of these, but I want to just... Speak tonight for a few minutes, whether I exhort, whether I preach, or however the Lord comes by. He says in verse 44, again. Now notice this isn't the first time. It's again. The kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof goeth 
and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. The Lord will help me tonight. I just want to talk for a few minutes about the cost of serving God. The cost of serving God. As they started singing that song about a step of faith, I, I, I really was like, well, Lord, is this really the way you want to go? But then as our sister testified about what God is doing and everything else, and especially when she testified, I, I, I've got a, I know I'm taking a, a rabbit trail, but please, I'm going to come right back to where I want to go with this. She started to praying, talking about praying for that old Betsy out there. And uh, I just testified this morning about a, a car we had. And understand, what I'd just gotten discharged out of the Navy. I, I, by the way, I got injured. That's why I got discharged. So I'm a, a disabled veteran. Um, not looking for sympathy or anything, just a statement. Uh, and so I was out and we were trying to get ourselves reestablished in society. Uh, you know, being in the military, you got to come back into society. And so anybody who's been in the military understands exactly what I'm talking about. And so we had this car, it was a Sunbird station wagon, blue. And I, I, what's that, brother? I, that car, I put a computer, a computer went out. I put a new computer in. Two weeks later, the computer went out. Uh, no, no, they don't warranty back then, sorry. I put in three, four, five, I don't even remember how many computers we put in that car. And finally, when the, la the one went, I said, I don't have any more. I mean, it was $120, $150 every time for the computer. And this was in the 80s. I didn't have that kind of money. Yeah. I didn't have it. And I parked the car. I said, I don't know. We had another car, so we were, we were getting by with one car. We were doing what we needed to do. The car had been parked for several months. I don't know, three, four, I don't know how many months had been parked there in the yard, but one day I came into the kitchen, and we, when we stood at the kitchen sink, you looked at that car. Yeah. <laughs> and I came in, and I just grabbed Jennifer's hand, and I said, let's pray. She said, what are we praying for? I said, I'm praying for this car. <laughs> she said, okay. We started praying for the car. We finished praying. I grabbed the keys. She goes, where are you going? I said, I prayed for the car. I said, I've got to have enough faith. I said, what good is it to pray if I don't do anything about it? So I grabbed the keys to the car, went out, and the car started right up. We drove that car back and forth to work and doing everything. Uh, uh, there was everything we did for the next year, I think. We drove, I drove that car, never had another problem with it. It drove by. There was a brother in the church who needed a vehicle, and I just bought another one. And so I sold it to him. He knew the history of the car. He drove that car for years. And then he moved back to Kentucky. He drove that car moving back to Kentucky. Never had a problem with it. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter. It can be a person, it can be a car, it can be a, a, 
washing machine. It can be the lawnmower. God can come by and move. But listen to me. If you're going to trust God for it, step out on faith. I was thinking this week that there's a song that they used to sing called If You Ever Gonna Walk on the Water, You Gotta Step Out of the Boat. Can I tell you, sometimes you're going to have to step out of that boat. You're going to have to get out of that. Hey, it's safe here. And you're going to have to say, hey, the storms may be raging, but I'm stepping out on faith like they already talked about. Can I tell you, it's more than just that. When you step out on faith like that, what you're doing is you are seeking God. You are trusting Him. When we say that we're seeking God, we're putting Him first in everything. That means we trust Him. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid into a field. I read I, the last few weeks, the Lord's been dealing with me about this scripture. And I've read this scripture, I don't know how many times. I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I've read through the Bible. I can't tell you how many times I've read through the book of Matthew. Uh, just to kind of give you an idea, I, I'm with a men's group and uh there's about 26 of us somewhere across the nation. I don't know everybody in the group. And every week, we send in how many chapters we read. And as a group, as a group, we don't, I don't want to come across the wrong way, but we want to try to read at least enough chapters to cover the whole Bible every week. And as a group, we typically read about 1,600 chapters. Wow. Okay. I haven't seen, I've got probably got a text with the picture. You know, some weeks we're down at 13, some weeks we're at 18. We've read as much as 2,200 uh, chapters of the Bible uh, in a week. Uh, it, it's just what we do. Last year I did something I have never done. Can't say I'll do it again. <laughs> but I, I got challenged. And, and, and I, when I get a challenge, I'm, I'm stopping. I know I'm just talking here. But when I get a challenge, I commit myself by finding a couple people, let them know what that challenge is, to hold myself accountable for completing that challenge. My wife will remember this. Last last year, the Lord challenged me, and I I believe the Lord challenged me to read through the Bible in one month. Oh yeah. Never done it. Yeah, I'm one of those people. I'll read through it in a year. Yeah, I have no problem. I'll read it through it in a year. Sometimes I read through it two or three times. But I went to a couple people and I told them, I said, reading through the Bible in one year or in one month, I said, there's no way I know that I'm going to get anything out of it. It is going to be a power read. <laughs> Clear and simple. It's a power read. Well, let me tell you, I did get something out of it. Sure. Two or three scriptures stuck to me out of all of it. Yeah. But, and I was able to succeed and completed all 1,287 chapters in 30 days. Wow. The Lord helped. So there was some weeks, like I read the book of Psalms and Proverbs in one week. That's 180 some chapters. And so it can be done. I stepped out on faith because I believe that. And sometimes we need to step out on faith. Yeah. Trusting that God. But I want to go back to this. It's because the kingdom of heaven is that treasure hid in the field. Yeah. 
You know, I, I, I've thought about it. We, we lived where we lived up in uh, Roanoke. We lived in Blue Ridge, a, a community called Blue Ridge. Uh, and uh, it kind of encountered a corner of Blue Ridge County and a count of, uh, the neighboring county next to it. We lived in both parts of the county, both counties, but we always lived in Blue Ridge. And that, that was our address. But along 460 there, just before you come into where the uh, they have a uh, quarry, and just before the quarry, there's the mountain that goes up. And there's supposedly a treasure that's been hidden somewhere on that mountain. Now, I'm sure that this same story applies to a lot of different places. And all the time, now this is, I, I don't want you to think it's not a rolling hill. When I say it's up the mountain, we're, we're talking about a grade that's probably, you know, you're going to struggle going up that side of that mountain. And it's got trees growing everywhere, so you're going to have to hold on to the trees. People are climbing that mountain on occasion, trying to find that hidden treasure. They really are. They're trying. And so as I read this, and this, this last few weeks as I read this, I got to thinking about how many times we've heard what the kingdom of heaven, we've heard all about the kingdom of heaven. But do we really see it for the treasure it is? Do we really hold a, a picture of the value of what heaven is? If I told you tonight and I came in here with a box and showed you a treasure in that box and went and said, okay, everybody stay in here and blanked out all the windows. And I said, I'm going outside to hide this box and whoever finds it can have it. You know what would happen? As soon as I came in and said, you can go find it, everybody in here would be out there hoping to find that treasure. They would... They would not stop. I don't think any one of you would stop until you found that treasure. And that's the way the kingdom of heaven is for you and I tonight. It is something so precious that we don't need to stop looking for the kingdom of heaven. You say, Brother Scott, but I, I know Jesus. Yeah, I know Jesus. But do you know the kingdom of heaven is a whole lot more than just having a relationship with Jesus Christ? Can I tell you tonight that when I go into my, my closet of prayer and start praying and seeking God, I'm looking for a whole lot more than just to come in and say a few words to Him. But oh, when the heaven comes down, can I tell you there's something sweet about it? When the Holy Ghost comes by and moves, there's something special about it. And there's that sweet treasure, that sweet presence of God, that sweet relationship. I can't describe it even though I've tasted of it. But oh, can I tell you tonight, there is a treasure for you if you'll find it, get a hold of God. That's right. We ask, we say, well, why isn't God moving for us? Are we looking? Right. Uh, do, do we look for the treasure of heaven? You see, I thought about the man. This is what was different this time as I've read it. I thought about that man that it talks about. You know, I, and please understand, I understand what all the commentators say about this verse, and, and I agree, and I understand. But now let's take a look, if you will, with me from that man's view. Right. Yeah. He's heard. 
There's a treasure. So is everybody else around him. As he looks around, he notices that nobody seems to really be paying attention or looking. So that man starts about carefully and he starts looking for that treasure. He takes time digging here, moving all of this over here, going into this room and, and, and starting to move some things. Several uh, Back when I was in the Navy, I had the opportunity to go to Portsmouth, England, and I was in Portsmouth, England, and, and, and found a bookstore, a, a Bible bookstore, if I will. Now, everything on the first floor was the new stuff. Right. Most of the stuff on the second floor was the new stuff. And we were in Portsmouth for over a week, and I was in that store three or four times, and finally I talked to the owner. He says, well, I've got some stuff up on the third floor and out here in this other building. I went looking. I went looking. Now, at that time, I didn't know what I was looking for. And I bought some stuff I, I think now I probably wouldn't have bought. But I bought some stuff. Yeah. But there's some stuff, some treasures I found in them books that I am so glad I found. Yeah, that's right. But it didn't come because I just went walking around and go, what's this? Nah, what's this? No. That stack of books over in this corner, I, I dug down through. And oh, as I moved them back, there was another stack of books. And guess yeah. what? I found a little treasure yeah. back in that second stack yeah. of books back up against the wall. Yeah. And I went over here and I started digging through these and I, I found another treasure yes. in, in that one there. And, and, and I've got one of the books I've got that uh, somebody actually offered to me a, a trade and now I wish I'd done it, but I still have it. <laughs> I have the complete works of Bunyan that were printed all the way back in the late 1600s, early 1700s. I've got an original with a leather binding and everything and all gold gilded engraved and everything. I, that was a treasure that I found. I still have that treasure and I hold to it. But can I tell you right now, when we start looking for the kingdom of God, the treasure that is there, there is a greater treasure than any book. There's a greater treasure than any pearl. There's a greater treasure than anything that I can find on this earth. And I can get a hold of that thing. And when you do, I like what the man's response was. The Bible says that when he found it, yes, he hid it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when I started thinking about it, I said, why would you hide it? Really, why would you hide a treasure? Yeah. Well, he couldn't just take it. No. Now, society today says, yeah, finders, keepers, losers, weepers, you take it. But if he took it, he'd be stealing it. So he hid it. Maybe he hid it in the same place. It'd been safe for who knows how long. But the Bible says, the which when a man hath found, he hideth. That was what started getting my attention here. He hid it. 
and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath. Now, please understand where I'm going with this. But so many times people come in, they see us rejoicing in the Lord. They may even come in and they pray and they feel the presence of God. And I've asked the question, why don't they get any closer? I've pastored a church. I've watched people come in. I've watched them come in and I've watched them pray at the altar. And it seems they get to a certain point and they stop. They don't go any closer. Why is that? Because they never found the treasure. Can I tell you, they never found anything that had any meaning to them. All they got was they got to a certain point. Maybe they did find the treasure, but it didn't have any value to them. But oh, when that one comes down to the altar and prays, and they find that treasure. Can I tell you, I don't have to tell them what to do. I don't have to tell them what to lay aside. I don't have to tell them that God will do this and go do that. Because the Spirit of God will deal with them. And God will come on by. And God will do the work in their life. He will clean them up. He'll do, they'll do what they have to do. That's right. That's right. Folks, God, what do you mean? I said when I first got saved, I said, Lord, I'm confused. I did. I pr- this was my prayer that night in my barracks as I, as I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't understand. I have been told this. I've been told that. I said, this conflicts with that and the other conflicts with the other. Yeah. I said, Lord, I just don't understand. So I tell you what I'm going to do, God, until you show it to me, until you show it to me, I ain't going to do it. I said, I'm not trying to be insolent. I'm not trying or uh, not trying to be insubordinate. I'm not trying to be obnoxious. I'm not trying to be disobedient to you. But I only want to do what it is you'd have me to do. That's why I said over the next three years, God brought me into holiness. I came, God dealt with me about this. God then dealt with me about that. God then delivered and set me free from this. God then came and delivered and set me free from that. And if you've never been bound by certain sins and you don't understand what I'm talking about tonight, but oh, I can remember the night that I was driving in. I had a problem with alcohol. I can remember the night that I was driving up the road and oh, I saw that sign on the road for my favorite drink. And I was driving up and I was getting ready to turn. I said, God, I know this isn't pleasing to you. What was it? I found the treasure. I said, God, I need deliverance from this right now. I turned the wheel of that car to keep going down the road. And can I tell you that night I got delivered, I got set free. I don't care what others may say. There's other things in the same similar situations where I've said, God, I know it's not pleasing to you. What was it? I found the treasure. I found something worth making a change for. I found something worth selling out to and getting rid of. And that's what we need to have. We need to have that relationship. We need to help people find that treasure. So Listen to me. I, your pastor here tonight, I, I can tell right now there's times 
I know. He's like, I wish you'd just sell out to God. I know that there's people who come to this altar. And all he wishes is you would sell out to God. Right. 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 Amen. You see, we don't see the value. We start praying with people. Please don't fall out with me. Don't fall out with me. We start praying with people. Come on, brother. I just start, just start worshiping God. Just start praising God. Yeah, they need to worship God. They need to worship God. I believe that. I mean, I wrote a song about it. I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus. But can I tell you what they really need to do? They need to get a hold of that treasure. They need to see that treasure of who God is. They need to get that, that Jesus needs to become so precious to them that they have it in their heart that I'm going to sell all I have. What do you mean? They'll put away their music. They'll put away their lifestyle. They'll put away their dress. They'll put away the places they go to. They'll put away everything so that they are pleasing unto the one on high. So that they are pleasing to Jesus Christ. They will sell all to buy that field. Sister Jennifer and I were talking about this this week. And I thought back to that rich young ruler who came to the Lord. He said, Lord, and it depends on what chapter, what book of the Bible you go to on the exact what happened, so I'm just going to do a generic tonight. But he said, Lord, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What was he asking? What do I got to do for the kingdom of heaven? Jesus started listing the commandments. Man said, I've done all that since my youth. Right. And do you know the preacher gets up to preach? I've been doing that since my youth. That's our response. That is our response. I've done it since my youth. Jesus looked at him. Said, go sell all you have. Wait a second. Go sell all you have. Give to the poor. Now, there's several things I can point out. He didn't say give it all away. He said just give to the poor. Help the poor. But that man went away sorrowful because he had great riches. Many today in the church Don't fall out with me, but I see this as the day of the coming of the Lord approaches. Our focus is on the focus of the world, which is to acquire worldly wealth. We seek for the fame of this world. 
instead of trusting in the one who provides all our needs. Right. <clears throat> what treasure are you looking for? Yes. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 22, the latter part of that verse tells us that God gives his secrets to the righteous. We ask for God to move in our lives. You don't have to raise your hand. I, I don't, I, without a doubt here, everyone in here has asked God to do something in your life in the last week. If not today. You've asked God to come by and do something. But what treasure are you looking for? Yes. <clears throat> Has God given you a secret? He's given you one, sister. Whatsoever you bind on earth. <laughs> and whatsoever you lose. Oh, he robbed us him. Can I tell you, you want to see the power of God moving in your life? I can tell you right now, your pastor would love to see the power of God moving in your life. Your pastor would love to see, I'm the same way, I would love to see I'd love to stand over here and watch somebody come up and lay hands on somebody and watch them be able to pray and see God heal them right on the spot. It don't have to be me. It is God who gets the glory. But I'm going to tell you, it ain't going to happen in our lives until we start seeking the treasure. Until we start seeking God. Until we get so convinced that He is worth the cost that we sell all we have. I don't know about you, if you have young preachers in here. You want a ministry? You're going to have to sell out. Like I said, Brother Hicks wrote a good, good book. He said compilation is what he told me about a surrendered life. It's more than being a surrendered life. It's having a life that is seeking first. The kingdom of God. We came to Savannah. I gave our testimony a little bit. We came to Savannah. When I resigned the church, part of it was I felt like I needed to go back to school and understand I'm a nuclear engineer by the military, but I can't because of classifications. You understand, I can't get a degree because everything I have is well, 50% of it now, is still classified. Right. So I can't get a degree. And I, I, I give this as a funny story because uh, it happened to me. But 
when I went back to college and applied, I, I had my military record set up so they could do everything. And they gave me my credit hours for advanced nuclear physics. But they wouldn't give me my credit hours for my algebra. <laughs> which is required for advanced nuclear physics. And the reason is, is all my algebra was classified. So they couldn't release it. And so I had to argue, how can I have credit hours for advanced nuclear physics with a requirement that I have algebra in another class and you won't give me credit for this other class? So they eventually gave it to me, but uh, logic finally won, thank God. But I, I mean, I want us to understand, we sometimes, these things happen in our lives. And they happen, but we seek after things. I said all that because recently, we came to Savannah, what I started to tell you is we came to Savannah because I felt the need to get my, get a formal degree. Not because of I needed more education. Heaven knows I don't need any more education of this world. But I needed credibility. Because in our day in society that we live in, the Gen Zs, the Gen X, the, they want to know that you have a degree. 30 years experience doesn't mean anything if you don't have a piece of paper that says you have the knowledge. Right. And I'd run into that. And so that was my reason for getting my degree. My degree, by the way, is in financial planning. I'm a, I've been in financial field since 1996. So I have a little bit of experience in there. Just a few years, not a lot, just a few years. And so now that I've completed it, and yes, I'm gonna go back and get more. Um, I'm a glutton for punishment, uh, but for again, for credibility purposes, everything that comes back to when I look at it, I have to ask the question, God, are you first? We have groups of people who claim to be Christian financial planners. But God's not first. If I follow the financial planning principles of this world, which I'm expected to do as if I become a certified financial planner, then I have to put self above God. Not me, you. And when we start looking at those principles, I ask you tonight, I don't know what your profession is. I, whatever it is, it's great. I'm glad. I don't care what you are. God, you're there. Be thankful and give God praise and glory yes. and do the best you can. Yes. Do it as unto the Lord. That's what he tells us to do. I don't care if you dig ditches. I don't care if you wash dishes. I've done all that. I don't care if you go out there and, and you're, the number, you're the best whatever in the world. Do it as unto the Lord. Amen. But make sure that you're seeking first the kingdom of God. I go back to the words of Jesus tonight as I close. And sister, if you'll come on to the piano.
Seek ye first the kingdom of God. If we seek first the kingdom of God, he said all this will be added unto us. What is that? Larry Burkett, us older people will know who he is. The younger people have absolutely no idea who he is. Larry Burkett, financial advisor to many up into the early 2000s before he passed away. But he made a comment. I want you to understand something about Larry Burkett. Good Baptist man. I, I can't say it any more succinct than that. Good Baptist man. But Larry Burkett said this. He said, our society today, and I'm paraphrasing, has put too much trust in insurance and in investments and in building a retirement plan that we no longer trust God, but we trust ourselves. In the church today, what was the problem with the Laodicea in church? They became increased with goods and said what? We have need of nothing. I present to you, we need Jesus. Yes. It's easy to fall into the traps of the world. It's easy to fall into the the mentalities of this world. But tonight I'm going to ask you, are you seeking first the kingdom of God in every aspect of your life while every head is bowed? Or have you been seeking for your own self-glory, for your own desires, your own plans? I've walked into places, I've walked into different religious organizations, I'm going to say it that way, and I've seen the signs on their bulletin boards. And it's all about self. We need to be concerned about are we seeking for God? So while they play on this piano tonight, play whatever song, I'm going to ask you to examine yourself. I don't know you. It's the first time here. I've probably seen some of you around, maybe in some of the services, but I really don't know who you are, don't know anything about you. But you know where you stand with God. Ask yourself, Lord, am I seeking you first? Or am I seeking my own will? The altars are open. Would you come? Would you examine yourselves before the Lord? We ask tonight, Altars are open. Would you come?